Okay, so I'm reading through the NIV version. Okay. And it reads, um, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind, and even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his, his father's wife, and you are proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit, as one who is present with you in this way. I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh Ooh. so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Ooh. Somebody was sleeping with his father's wife and Paul told the Corinthian church to gather together in a way, I would say, place a chair there, knowing that my spirit is going to come and be present with you. Like it was that real, that you should gather together, because what this man is doing in your midst is an atrocious thing that even within general society, it is not acceptable. It is not okay to do such a thing. But within the body of Christ, you have someone who is actively sleeping with his father's wife or has slept with the father's wife and you guys are even proud of such a thing. You did not take into account that you are the body of Christ and this ought not to be mentioned in your midst. And I'm going to show you the gravity of what this offense is, what the sin is in the midst of God's people. To show you the weight of that sin, I am not there in bodily form, but I can show up in the spirit. I have the ability to show up in the spirit and as a spirit being made in the image of God with the right to judge, I will show up and I will judge that person because even in your absence, I have made a verdict on that person's life. And so when you gather like that, hand that person over to Satan and I will judge them. And while we're doing this, Satan will destroy the body, but at least we can save that soul. And we talked last week about the relevance of judging as a son of God. And why we always hang on to that one scripture that says in Matthew that you shall not judge. There are several other scriptures that talk about judging and we will go into judging on a different note. But today we want to bring to light why, why it was so important for that man to be judged. Why it was so important for Paul to show up in the spirit and actively legislate on account of the body of Christ against this sin that had crouched and entered into the heart and the body of Christ. It ought not to be so. Please read verse 6 for us, um, June. Mm -hmm. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens with the whole batch of dough? 
Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new and leavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Wow. Christ Jesus is the Passover lamb. But Paul is saying here that they are all an unliving batch. And I want to take you back to the Old Testament where the whole story of the unliving bread came about. And the Jews still practice it today, leading up to Passover. It's in Exodus 12, 15. It says, For this feast you must eat bread made without yeast for seven days. On the first day, you are to remove all the yeast from your houses. No one should eat any yeast from the first day until the seventh day or that person will be cut off from Israel. I want you guys to see the correlation between handing this person over to Satan and the first time unleavened bread was instituted as a Passover meal. In verse five, it says such a person should be released from your midst. The same way it says here, such a person should be released from your midst and handed over to the accuser. Let the accusation consume his flesh until the light of day, the revelation of Jesus Christ, rise up for him again to rescue his spirit from the deceit of sin. The unleavened bread is the body of Jesus that the Lord was already revealing to the Israelites in the beginning of its institution. From Exodus, Jesus was already manifested as the unleavened bread. And he had a process of making it. It required the flour, the olive oil, the water, and salt. That was it. And then after making it, they will beat it up. The one I take with my family, it has all these holes in it. All of these were significant things. It wasn't just made without the leaven and beating for no cause. See, what Revelation does for you is to bring it all together. It ties it all together. It will take what was done in the Old Testament and what is done in the New Testament and it brings meaning to you. So in other words, what happened in the midst of the Corinthian church was leaven added to the body of Christ. How does this still remain unleavened when leaven is added to it? Once leaven is added to it, it is no longer the body of Christ. And that's why the next verse, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to read verse 6 and verse 7 together. By ignoring the presence of even a small amount of leaven, the whole lump of dough will soon be permeated. So one person's sin you know, when God told Cain that sin was crouching at his door and that he should master it. Not only does sin crouch at your door wanting to come in and corrupt you, sin has the ability to multiply, to infect, to blow up, to corrupt the whole bunch. Because as a body, we are one. As a body of Christ, we are one. This broken body of Jesus, we are one. It makes us one. And once leaven is added to it, 
it is no longer, we are no longer the body of Christ. So I want you guys to understand the gravity of what this man did when he went and was sleeping with his stepmother. And why Paul will not condone sin within the church. So it's not about, oh, don't judge me, don't judge me. It's about you opening the door for sin to come in, bringing leaven to an already broken body of Christ. Why is that body broken? Why the piercings? It is only called the body of Christ because the piercings were as a result of sin. In verse 7, he said, but Christ, our Passover lamb, has already been crucified once and for all. The old leaven of sin consciousness, which the law upheld, has been removed. It has been removed. So, if you bring sin back into the body of Christ, see, we are the body of Christ, we are this unleavened bread. So if you bring leaven into it, you're going to corrupt the whole dough because the leaven will spread and it will no longer be the body of Christ. See, you cannot speak of the lamb of sacrifice without the story of it becoming the lamb of sacrifice, right? A good example is a cucumber. A cucumber can only be a pickle because of going through the process of being immersed in vinegar. A cucumber will never claim it is pickled, except it goes into vinegar. Without that process, it cannot be pickled. We can't say, oh, pickles. Can you imagine if all cucumbers just showed up and they said, oh, I'm pickled. We'll be like, no, we all know what qualifies it to be pickled. So you cannot bring leaven into unleavened bread and say that that is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is unleavened. It is a process Jesus' body went through that makes you and I call ourselves the body of Christ. If we go and bring sin into it, do you understand that we are no longer unleavened? The reason why he's unleavened is because he took your sin, my sin, all our sins, and pierced it upon himself he placed it upon himself and judgment came upon this body judgment came upon him because of our sin the penalty for sin the consequences of sin all judgment came upon this body because of sin so why will you go and bring the same thing that he already judged in his body back into his body which is you and i we are the unliving body. And then we go out and then we do such a scene and we bring it into the body of Christ. We make the body of Christ leavened because that sin will multiply and it will spread through the entire congregation. That is why you have the book of Revelations from verse 1 to 2. John is writing all these letters from Jesus Christ because there was leaven, different kinds of leaven. Some of them were known for promiscuity, um, sexual sin. Some of them were known for pride. They were known for different things. That was the leaven that had come into the body of Christ and it corrupts the body of Christ. That's why scripture says in Hebrews, that when somebody it is impossible to bring back again a changed life when you have 
willingly rejected the body of Christ, you have willingly gone to sin, if he has fallen away, it is impossible to bring him back again because it's like nailing the Son of God to the cross again. This is a spiritual word. So when we call ourselves the body of Christ, please, I urge you, don't look at it like it's a cool slogan. It's a nice terminology. It is something that originated before you and I came to be. It is something that was long before we came here. It was instituted that when a people will be called the body of Christ, it will be the reason that Jesus Christ would come and die for their sins, qualifying them to a supernatural walk with God, a life with power, a life with authority against the kingdom of darkness. A life that when we stand in any place, the enemy looks at us and sees terror coming upon them. Because the thing that gives the enemy right to us is completely removed. And not only is it removed, it has been replaced with the power of God, the kingdom of God backing all of us up. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. So anyone who will bring that sin into that body of Christ attempts to disqualify each one of us to be this body, pierced, broken for our transgressions, wounded for our sins, bruised for our sicknesses, our infirmities, all of it. This is the power that we have as the redeemed of God to go back and take what we have been delivered from and bring it to corrupt the body that was broken, thereby crucifying Jesus all over again. Do you understand the power you have? The power you have to reject the unleavened body in your midst. I am so excited about my book, Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. God is amazing. God wants us to not only stay on the outskirts and say, hey, come, come here, come here. He wants us in his kingdom realm with him. He wants to show us heaven. When Jesus Christ tore the veil, when he died and he took us into heaven, he seated us in heavenly places with God. So right now we are in that seated position. <laughs> It is just an endless life of growing our spirit man. So I found out that when Adam and God were interacting in the beginning, it was all about a spiritual interaction. So he made you and I to have a spiritual interaction consistently. What stopped that? What took us away from that? This is all and so much more you will encounter in spirit, spirit, spirit. So I want you right now, I want to encourage you, go for it, go grab your copy, please grab your copy, tell me about it, tell me what the Lord is already doing in your life, tell me what the Lord is doing in the life of the loved one you will also buy the copy for. I encourage you to give the gift of the Spirit.